Our topic for this evening is active congregational environment and responding to the Great Commission. Now, if you didn't get a chance to hear the lesson that Mark Bryson provided about three weeks ago on Mission Sunday, then it's definitely something worth looking up and taking the time to listen to. It's a, a wonderful discussion. So I encourage you to do that if you have the opportunity. But before we dive into tonight's topic, I'd like to offer a few open comments. First of all, this is an incredibly wonderful congregation. It's a congregation that's filled with love for one another, encouragement for one another, and support for one another. It's also a congregation that happily serves each and every person here in this congregation as the need arises. And it's a church family that has a passion for everything that we're going to be talking about tonight. Please know that the love and support and the encouragement that each of you provide through so many different ways is certainly a great blessing to me and to my family, also to this whole church family, to the ministry staff, and certainly to the eldership as well. So we, we appreciate you so much for that. For those who may not have been with the Guiding Principles class over the last six weeks or so, I'd like to just quickly go through a couple of concepts that have been touched on. And I'll do that briefly because I know most of y'all are probably familiar with this. So this is the elder's vision for the guiding principles that we use that come from the Bible. We want to be a Christ-centered, spirit-led, Bible-based group of Christians working to reach the lost and to encourage uh, transformational growth in one another and among the members. We want to be a congregation known for being a people of the word. And we want to be a congregation that knows how to demonstrate and demonstrates the power of prayer. We want to be a congregation that's easily distinguished from the world's culture, a congregation with worship characterized by reverence, praise, and remembrance. We want to be a congregation enthusiastic about God's work, and we seek to be a congregation of evangelists with evangelism touching every ministry that we participate in. That last bullet point is going to be our focus for this evening. Again, the concept of active congregational involvement in responding to the Great Commission. Of course, it's a very broad topic and one that has many facets, and we could spend a lot of time on any one of those facets. But perhaps the best starting point for us is to turn to the passage in Matthew 28, the passage that is frequently referenced as the Great Commission. So let's take a look at that. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, we read the following. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. As Mark part pointed out in his uh, lesson that he provided on Mission Sunday, there's several other passages in the New Testament, specifically in the Gospel accounts, that uh, provide similar thoughts, similar passages. And we see these from Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Luke 24, verse 47, and John 20, in verse 21. Mark made the point on his sermon on Mission Sunday 
which I love this concept that he put forth, that the Lord came and fulfilled the purpose for coming to this earth. And now the mission for saving the lost was being handed to his disciples to go and make more disciples. Again, if you get a chance to, to listen to Mark's lesson, it would be well worth it. So referring back to that passage from Matthew, Jesus gives his disciples a charge to go and make more disciples. And of course, that makes perfect sense. Uh, these are men who spent time with Jesus, who became disciples of Jesus. They knew what that path was like. They had already treaded. And they had come from different backgrounds, different life experiences, uh, a variety of differences. And they first heard the call of Jesus and chose to follow him. So our goal as individuals and collectively as a congregation is to be disciples of Christ so that we too can help others to become disciples knowing what it means to be a disciple. In just a few minutes, I'd like for us to consider that concept, being a disciple of Christ that prepares us for sharing the gospel and making more disciples. Now, you'll have to forgive me for this illustration because it's pretty simplistic, and I hope it helps a little bit. Probably not, but I'll give it a try. So what does it actually mean to be a disciple? So if you look at me in the box up there, all the blue is an effort to define me. Everything in the box is me. And in today's busy world, with all the complications that exist, there are a lot of forces that are vying for our time and our commitment. A lot of things that cause us to wear different hats as we go through life on a day-to-day -day basis. And of course, in the midst of all that, hopefully we feel like being a disciple, being Jesus' disciple, is the most important hat for us to wear. But if we think about that perspective for just a little bit, we realize it's wrong. It's not the correct viewpoint. A much better way to look at this is, to, again, to look at the blue, and the blue defines who I am, who you are as a disciple of Christ. It's all-encompassing. It's not a facet of who we are. It is our identity. And our identity is identified by our master. And our master life, his whole life, was about service and certainly about sharing the word of God with others. That's who we are. That's how our lives and our perspective should be oriented. So all the other things that happen in our lives should come from the perspective of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, identifying that as who we are. And in doing so, that can have an impact on our families, our coworkers. If we go to school, it can be an impact there or any other activities that we participate in. And I have to admit, at times, I have to think about this. I have to remember that my identity is a disciple of Christ and everything that flows from me should be with that context. All of our thoughts, our words, our actions should flow from within that context of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a song that I love that reminds me of this perspective that we sing from time to time. A song titled, None of Self and All of Thee, which you may recognize right away, by Theodore Monod, published in 1875. And for me, it reflects the journey of what it's like, at least for some of us, as we become disciples of Christ. I'd like to just read the lyrics because to me they're extremely meaningful. The song begins, and I won't read all the uh, lines in the verses, but I will read most of them. The song begins with the first verse, Oh, the bitter pain and sorrow that a time could ever be when I proudly said to Jesus, all of self and none of thee, 
all of self and none of thee. Yet he found me. I beheld him, bleeding on the accursed tree. And my wistful heart said faintly, some of self and some of thee. Some of self and some of thee. Day by day, his tender mercy, healing, helping, full and free, brought me lower while I whispered, less of self and more of thee, less of self and more of thee. Higher than the highest heaven, deeper than the deepest sea, Lord, thy love at last has conquered me, none of self and all of thee, none of self and all of thee. None of self and all of thee, Lord, thy love at last has conquered, none of self and all of me. And that needs to be our perspective that we continually drive for and remind ourselves as disciples of Christ. That song seems to parallel a passage that Paul wrote in Galatians 2, verse 20, which reads, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Like the early disciples of Christ, as the song reflects, we must recognize that discipleship is a never-ending, dynamic growth and development process. And of course, we see that as we read the New Testament passages, New Testament passages that talk about the lives and the actions of Jesus and his disciples. When Jesus initially called the 12, they responded. They made a commitment to him. And then they learned, they grew, and they developed as they encountered opportunities, as they walked daily alongside Jesus and witnessed every aspect of his life filled with God. They shared meals together. They listened to his teachings. They prayed together. They saw God's love and how Jesus served others in an endless fashion, feeding the thousands, healing the sick, raising the dead, washing their feet. They witnessed the power of God as Jesus cast out demons, still the storm. And not only did they experience his mentoring of them personally, but they also had the opportunity to see how their brothers grew and developed in Christ as they encountered a variety of situations, some very positive, but also some that were negative. And because of their time with them, their faith in him grew. As disciples, they strove to be like their master, developing a very special relationship with God, teaching others about God while serving in a variety of different ways and certainly loving one another. As a church family, we strive to live our lives similarly. Certainly we worship together, whether that's online or whether that's physically present in the auditorium, we are still one body in Christ. We collectively sing together. We pray together. We open God's word together and hear his word. We share meals together. Maybe that's just at a restaurant before or after services. Or maybe it's at someone's home or maybe a life group. Or perhaps we may have a larger gathering and come together for a meal in the fellowship hall. And we serve together. Perhaps one of the many ministries here at McDermott Road or through spontaneous opportunities that may arise from time to time. 
And as one family in Christ, we support one another and we encourage one another, we provide for one another, and certainly we love one another, just as Jesus' disciples did when they were with him. And in doing so, like his disciples, we grow, we learn, and we increase in our faith together and become unified in our love and our commitment to the work. For the next few minutes, I'd like to talk just a little bit about that transformation process that we have in serving, just like Jesus' disciples experienced in their time here on this earth. Both individually and collectively, it facilitates a wondrous transformation for us in our lives as our faith and our commitment to the Lord grows. Just as there is diversity in personalities and backgrounds and experiences in life, so it is with the abilities and the talents the Lord has given each and every one of us. So let's spend just a few moments and talk about those gifts and those talents. Let's look at a few scriptures that address this topic, beginning with Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And I won't read the whole passage, uh, but this is, of course, you, you'll recognize it's the parable regarding the resources that the master gives his servants uh, as they are to carry on their work and he takes a journey. He entrusts his wealth to his servants, giving one servant five bags of gold, another servant two bags of gold, and a third servant one bag of gold. And then the master goes off on his trip, comes back home, and when he does, he calls his servants together to see what they've accomplished. Two of those servants have doubled the resources that the master gave them while he was gone. One, however, sat on the sideline, not making use of what he had been given. And in verses 29 and 30, we read the following about that servant. For to who, I'm sorry, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God has given us abilities and opportunities to accomplish his purposes. We are all familiar with the saying, use it or lose it. It's something that as we consider the gifts that God has given us, we need to take that into consideration. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, it tells us that as one body we have many members with different functions and encourages us to use those gifts in service to our Lord. I'd like to read uh, verses 4 through 6 to begin with. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then Paul goes on to describe some of those gifts and how those gifts are to be used. And then he gets to verse 10 where it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul continues to develop this concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 12. Just as 
a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. But then Paul goes on to describe how the body parts work together with one another and not autonomously, making the point that we need each other and we depend upon each other. In uh, verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So he didn't say some of you. He made the point to say each of you is a part of the body of Christ. So each of us has a responsibility. Each of us has something that we need to accomplish in our role in the body. We have a purpose to fulfill in the body of Christ. So these passages and other passages like them that we read in the New Testament cause us to stop and think about a couple of things. We need to think about what talents, what abilities has the Lord provided us. We need to do that inventory. And then we need to think about how well have we put those talents and abilities to work. Are we like the servant with the five bags of gold or the two bags of gold? Or are we trending towards the servant that only has the one bag of gold and did not do anything with it? We need to give consideration to what those talents are, how we're using them. We need to wonder whether we're going to lose our talents if we don't actually put them into play as we should. There are a number of ministries here at this congregation and a number of activities in the body of Christ where one's talents can be put to good use. For our brothers and sisters, for the community that surrounds us, for the activities in parts all throughout the world. So if you're looking for a way to actually put your talents to work, ones that you may not have put to work recently, Mark Bryson would love to hear from you and help you find that spot that also helps the body of Christ function here at McDermott or elsewhere as the Lord desires. Of course, our service may be one in which we encounter some challenges and some difficulty, but we're not to be dissuaded from serving our Lord. In James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, it tells us how we serve as disciples, uh, and we will face challenges, but we will grow and we will mature from those experiences. That, uh, that passage reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking and not lacking anything. So as we go through our work as disciples, a big responsibility for us in that work is sharing the good news and just as Matthew 28 told us, making other disciples. Having talked about the roles and responsibilities as disciples, let's, let's tackle that, that subject a little bit regarding the good news, spreading the gospel, and making new disciples. There are many exhortations in the New Testament as Jesus' disciples to, al to allow the love of God to shine through in our lives and to be prepared to share with others our faith and our good news. Evangelism is a cornerstone of what we do as disciples, just as Jesus did in his time here on this earth. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, a passage that's familiar to many of us, we read the following. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp 
and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Similarly, in 2 Corinthians, as disciples, Paul encourages us to be ambassadors for Christ. In uh, chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, we read, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Pretty challenging concept to be ambassadors for Christ. And as disciples and ambassadors, we are encouraged to talk with others about the reason and the basis for our faith in God and in our Lord and Savior. In 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, we read the following. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, uh, Paul makes the point to him, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Again, all of this comes back to Matthew chapter 28, where we're instructed to go and make disciples of all nations. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have a little bit more uh, direction with regard to aspects of that uh, charge that we're given. That chapter in verse reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Oftentimes, when we think of the Great Commission, we think in terms of foreign missions. Certainly when I was growing up, that was very much the case. And when we think of evangelism, the Lord made it clear that there is an opportunity, especially in that verse we just read, an opportunity for us locally, regionally, and then in areas throughout the world. So along that line of thinking, as disciples of Jesus Christ, our evangelism should certainly include our home with our families, a concept that we're very familiar with from the Old Testament. Again, a passage that many of us are familiar with and that uh, I think many of us love dearly, and that's Deuteronomy chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Paul also recognized this importance of evangelism beginning at home. 
In 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, he talks uh, to Timothy and says, I am, reminding of your, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. One of the most powerful evangelistic messages we can ever offer or we can ever receive is what takes place in our homes. The priorities that we have there, the practices that take place, we learn from our family. When my brothers and sisters were young, our mother would teach Sunday school classes like many of you do. And there we heard a number of messages that helped us grow in our faith. But the most powerful message that we got from our mom came not in her words, but rather in her action. My dad was a salesman. He had a large region, large region that he had to cover by car. So pretty much every Monday through Friday, he was gone from the house. And my mom, as we were older, uh, worked on a full-time basis. So she did that. She managed the household, and she tried to raise four boys, which is a challenge for anyone. Uh, one's probably enough, but we had four. Uh, she did have a chance for a daughter, which was really unfortunate, but she did have a granddaughter, so that was great. So even in the, in the face of all those things that she was required to do, she still found the time to actually cook meals and deliver those to people who were in need, to visit the sick, to pick up and drive people to doctor's appointments when they didn't have a way to get there. We lived in a small town, so there were no buses or other forms of transportation. She would write notes of encouragement to those people that she knew were facing difficulties, whether they were in the church or whether they were people that she came across at work. And there were many other activities that demonstrated her devoted discipleship to the Lord. And this was the thing that, that always amazed me, seeing all the things that she did and the very little bit of time she ever had for herself. She was always happy. She was joyful. The opportunity to be able to do something at for other people was something that she actually enjoyed and looked forward to. It was probably the most powerful, actually it was certainly the most powerful evangelistic message that I have ever received in my life. And it wasn't a message just for her children. It was a message for everyone who knew her or who encountered her. They know, they knew who she was a disciple of. So on behalf of my family and myself, I want you to know that we are thankful and appreciative to see that same type of discipleship throughout the members of this congregation. We have so many people here who love the Lord so deeply and that demonstrate that love through many different ways as they serve this church family, this community, and to the people beyond our local reach. It is a blessing to be a part of this congregation. Now for some of us, <laughs> myself included, um, the thought of being an evangelist can make us anxious. But we need to remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians and what Luke recorded in chapter 12 of his gospel. It's not about us. We need to remember that. And it's not easy, but we need to think of that. It's not about us. It's not about our eloquence or our wisdom. Rather, it's about the power of the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, we read, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, 
not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, when Jesus was speaking to the crowds who had gathered to hear what he had to say, he said the following, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what it is, what you should say. We too, in this congregation, have been blessed greatly from the Spirit's work through many in this congregation who helped prepare us for evangelism by providing us with exceptional lessons and teachings from God's Word, from the pulpit and in our classes. And we are blessed with many more teachers of adult, teens, and children's classes than what I could ever fit on a slide. So please forgive me for not recognizing everyone with a photo. Please know that you too, as teachers and instructors, are cherished and loved and appreciated by this church family. These lessons that we have can help us gain deeper insight and understanding of God's word that we can share with others, even if it's just a link to one of the sermons or one of the lessons that's been provided. One can go to the McDermott website or the Radically Christian website, or you can go to the YouTube website and just, and just search on the McDermott Road Church of Christ to find, to find messages that help us as disciples and as evangelists and messages that we can share with others, those who need to know more about Christ or who may be seeking to know him. Okay, so before the pandemic, this congregation was actually looking at ways, I think back in 2018, to help spread the gospel through technology that has become such a significant part of our lives today. It just continues to snowball, becoming more and more intertwined and essential in our lives. So on this slide that I'm about to walk you through, it'll be busy. So I'm going to try to just help you see each of the components and understand what uh, our vision was what we had hoped to try to accomplish. So on this first line, you see this concept of content. As we mentioned, McDermott has been blessed with many talented people who continue to provide wonderful lessons, uh, sermons from Wes, and other materials that benefit our church family, and also potentially others as well. All of that content that you see is then digitized. It becomes content that can then be shared with other sites, other organizations, other individuals. And in that content, we have video, we have audio, we have text, we have a variety of different methods that we can use, that we can connect other people with. And then of course, in today's world, we have a number of different paths that can be used, a link that we can send, a message that we can send to someone that helps them to be able to access this information, this content. So, and whatever relationship we have with a person, as we go through life and that opportunity presents itself where they may need, they may be searching for Christ, they may be wondering what it's like to be a disciple, they may need to hear a message of encouragement. We have both the content and the mechanism by which we can help them, a path that we can try to help put them on. <clears throat> Before the pandemic, the work that you see on this slide that reaches all of these different audiences that we mentioned had begun, we had begun just to facilitate that process. And part of that work was to increase our technology infrastructure. Now this is 2018. 
And part of that also involved upgrading the cameras that we have in the auditorium so that we could have this concept of live streaming. So this is a year before the pandemic comes along. And then the pandemic hits. Clearly, God had provided ahead of time a means for us as a church family to stay united in our worship and in our Bible study with the help of this technology. It was there before the problem developed. So today, we are even better prepared to make it easier for each of us to share the gospel with others. Again, we can just send a link to someone. We can point them in the direction. We can initiate a conversation with them. We can develop that relationship and hopefully guide them into what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to accept him as, as their savior. It is indeed amazing as we look back, I know certainly as the elders look back and as those who worked on this whole technology infrastructure to see God's hand at work, to see how he took things and put them in place before they were actually needed so that they would be available to us and allow us to stay together tightly as a congregation. What an incredible blessing. All right, so coming back to 2021, on our recent Mission Sunday, we had the opportunity to learn more about a couple of other ways that we can connect with people. One is through the evangelistic opportunities in World Bible School, and Glenn ba Bailey helps lead that, uh, that ministry effort, and we had the opportunity to learn more about that, and I'm sure that he would be happy to share that information if you have that interest. And we also had the opportunity to learn more about a video series titled The Redemption Story that offers a series of narrated video vignettes that could be used to help initiate a discussion with someone about God or Jesus or the Bible, the work of the Holy Spirit, and discipleship. So again, more tools for us that we can make use of that are here today available to us. And of course, we continue to have a number of structured outreach activities such as Thrive and Hearts and Hands and World Bible School we just mentioned, Praying Moms, Life Groups, and then special events. And of course, one of the special events you can see behind me right now that's coming up on Saturday, the Road Family Con Conference, which is another great opportunity to invite someone to attend and to give them that opportunity to learn more about Christ. And then we have other things like Trunk or Treat coming up later this uh, month, and then we have the Children's Ministry Open House. So we have a number of events that take place in an ongoing fashion that all of us can become involved in should we have the time and the opportunity to be able to do that and help others to find Christ. So while our evangelism certainly begins uh, at home and spreads outward from there, it doesn't stop with just our local or our regional efforts. Our congregation has been focused on spreading God's word to other nations as well, and we firmly believe in this important aspect of our discipleship. As it says in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And while that is certainly a very true passage, as we come into the 21st century and we think about this, there's the opportunity also to be able to see the beauty of the mouse click 
or the email or some other means of sending a message to folks that helps them get on the path of learning the good news, uh, becoming a disciple of Christ. So we have other means today to help us in that process of spreading the good news. So we have a number of mission works. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with this. We have uh, South Texas, uh, where the Far Church of Christ coordinates a lot of the efforts there in the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, we have Saul Leon here at McDermott, who's facilitating the work on our end. And of course, you may know, we typically make several trips to South Texas each year, but COVID has temporarily interrupted that process. Although this summer we were able to get one trip before the number of COVID cases began to dramatically increase. Um, and the efforts that uh, we have in South Texas certainly have uh, brought wonderful results as we support congregations and a number of evangelists in that area. In Nicaragua, John Hendry has provided the leadership and the direction for the Nicaragua work for a number of years. Eric Garcia and his wife, Evelyn, lead the work there at Bica, where evangelists are trained. And as John talked about in, in his brief uh, vignette during the Sunday morning uh, class about three weeks ago uh, on Mission Sunday, talked about the fact that this is not just a work in Nicaragua. These evangelists that are trained basically go all through Central America and, and one even to Spain. So his point was, it's not limited to just Nicaragua. That work goes worldwide, uh, which is exciting to hear. And I have to tell you from personal experience, this is an incredibly passionate and committed group of young people. I can say that uh, they are amazing with their passion for the work, their tireless energy, and their desire to spread the gospel. They are just amazing young people to meet and spend time with. Unfortunately, the recent unrest in that country has presented challenges for Bega, and yet it has also grown the faith of those there as they watch the hand of God care for them and protect them and keep them safe in times where there was civil unrest. So Estonia, another mission point for us. Kevin Mims provides the leadership and the direction for the work there. Locally, uh, Nikolai, Nikolai Vastutin and his wife Olga and his daughter Anna oversee the work along with those who've recently joined the effort there. Uh, we had the opportunity to talk with Nikolai briefly on Mission Sunday as well. And uh, as Kevin mentioned in his comments in that combined class on Sunday, the pandemic actually provided opportunities for them as well to enhance their work where they began to stream their services also. And that required different individuals within the congregation to actually take on different roles to use the talents and abilities the Lord gave them in a different way than they had before, helping them to grow and develop further. Typically, in any given year, we make multiple trips to Estonia. They have a summer camp, and then they have seminars that take place, and usually we have folks from McDermott Road that attend and support those, uh, those activities. And then we have Haiti. Steve Cooner is, of course, an integral work for uh, what goes on in Haiti, uh, Haiti. And as you're probably aware, they have been struggling mightily with the uh, significant disruption of life, with the loss of the president, with the earthquake, and with COVID. Prior to COVID, there were a number of our members who were able to actually travel to Haiti and be able to provide some support. And this congregation has done a tremendous job of supporting 
the work in Haiti financially and in other ways as well. Today, unfortunately, at uh, this moment in time, Nicaragua, Estonia, and Haiti all have what the U.S. State Department classifies as level four uh, with regard to travel advisories, which means don't travel to that location. So please keep these works in your prayers. Hopefully that will change and we'll be able to actually return to those uh, different destinations and to be able to encourage them while we're encouraged as well. So as disciples, we must continually strive day by day to be more like our master and to carry out the charge that he gave us to make more disciples. Each of us can consider the following four things. First of all, consider the gifts, the talents, the abilities that the Lord has given each of us and how we can use them to serve and to be transformed in that serving process. As a disciple, let us look for the opportunities that the Lord provides to share the good news and to make other disciples in our home, at work, in our neighborhood, online, in this nation, or in countries throughout the world. And let us continue to encourage others to serve with us to strengthen the body of Christ. And then let us not forget to be in prayer for all the Lord's disciples and the work that they do. Finally, I would like to reiterate a point from Mark Bryson's Mission Sunday lesson. He's going to be happy I'm stealing a lot of stuff from him, but it was a great lesson, so I don't mind doing that. Mark made the comment that we don't have to go to Estonia or to Nicaragua to look for an opportunity to offer the good news to those who need it. We can do that here in Collin County. We can do that across the street or at one's job or school or the many other opportunities in which we encounter others. And I love what Mark said about our master. Our teacher and our master came to seek and save the lost. As his disciples, we must want and do what our teacher wanted and did. Thank you for your time tonight. Let's close in a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your son to this earth that that he might live the life that he did, showing us your love and mercy and grace and your glory and your power, and then to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins, that we might be reconciled to you, forgiven of our sins. Thank you, Father, for, for Jesus' many teachings, for your word that provides us the direction that we that we need in our lives, helping us recognize the original plan that you had for us and for this world and how we can now be redeemed from the sin in our lives and reborn and become disciples of our Lord and Savior. Help us, Father, to carry on the work that Jesus established on this earth, to carry the good news to all people, and to make disciples of all nations. Thank you, Father, for the many people with the wonderful talents and abilities that you have brought together at this congregation. We pray, Father, that you will help all of us to be faithful servants and true disciples using those talents that you have given us to strengthen this body, to help us grow closer to one another, to help us to develop further in our discipleship 
and to bring others to know our Lord and Savior and to be a light to the world and to be brighter together. Father, we, we pray that you will bless your servants here and abroad that we may bring, bring glory to your name in all that we do. For it's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.